Okay, everybody, welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Wednesday, March 9th, 2022, and I'm Justin Nielsen, your host, and joining me, as always, is Arusha Pierce, Portfolio Manager at O'Neill Global Advisors. Thanks for being here once again, Arusha. Thanks for having me, Justin. Okay, and uh, on the show today, we are so happy to welcome back... uh, Anne-Marie Band. Now, Anne-Marie Band is a trader. She is the CEO of the TradingBook.com, author, uh, just all all around generally nice gal to know. Uh, so, Anne-Marie, welcome back to the show. Very happy to be here. It's great to be able to spend time with people that love the markets like I do. Well, and it's always glad. I mean, we're so, so happy to hear your thoughts on the market because I just think that you're such a great educator. Um, I, I love that you bring kind of the, the emotional component to it. That whole neuroscience background that you have is, is so fascinating. So, again, can't wait to get your thoughts on the market. We'll be talking, of course, about the markets in the first segment. Uh, we'll get into some lessons specifically about how you can kind of get back to the fundamentals a little bit on on your trading. Uh, So Anne-Marie will go through that. And then, of course, in our final segment, we'll take a look at some of the stocks that may be on Anne-Marie's radar. So uh, let's get right to it. Uh, You want to start with the NASDAQ, Anne-Marie? Of course. Okay, let's pull up the NASDAQ on MarketSmith. And uh, I mean, just one look at it, you can see that we have been in a downtrend. But uh, is this the green shoots uh, today? We, We saw almost... Uh, a three and a, what three and a half percent on the Nasdaq composite, three point six percent today. Um, this is one of those things where a lot of people get hopeful. Is is this a a false start or could this be the real thing? Well, you know, at the end of the day, we never really know, do we? Right? Every time we look at the market, we take some data out of it, and then we say, "All right, I'm going to estimate that this." is what's going to happen next. But my favorite thing to do is to really look at a chart and say, all right, am I above the majority of moving averages or am I below them? And if I am below them, are those averages sloping downward? And if that answer is yes, then I know that my bounces are really going to run into trapped buyers that are thinking to themselves, oh, thank you goodness, it moved up here. Now I can get out. Uh-huh. And so that's really what's going to, to happen in general. And the psychology behind that is that we really are, as, as creatures, we are generally hopeful. And mm-hmm. so we'll see bounces and we'll think to ourselves, this is where I can participate. But the thing that maybe we don't do as well is to look at well, where's the majority of the flow? And we can take a look at that volume. And as the NASDAQ has moved down, we see that upward cresting of volume. It's still rising in general in terms of that downward motion. And so to me, it looks like, you know, a, a, a trap in, in mm-hmm. general terms. And also because what has what's changed? We heard a little bit of news but there's so much uncertainty. We have monetary policy uncertainty, geopolitical uncertainty, political uncertainty, and that's the one thing the market hates, uncertainty. And so as long as there's all that uncertainty, we're either going to slosh around in a really big range, or we're going to sell off if something drastic comes down uh, you know, the media stream. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Anne-Marie, I, I think you just bring up a good point here. You really have to kind of take a step back and look at this day, even though it was, a, it was a big day and can really generate those emotions and put it in perspective. Now, as you mentioned, with the moving averages, that's one way to look at it. You can look at it at volume, but you have to try to compare to try to figure out. And I think most importantly for everyone uh, is you don't have to be in a rush to get in there immediately. And I think the last few months have really shown if if you were really worried about missing out uh, and you didn't want to miss out on that next rally, all you're doing right now is you're just getting whipped around and dying the death of a thousand cuts. That's exactly right. And one of the things that we think about in terms of getting into a trade, we'll say, oh my goodness, look at where it could go. I have, it's got so much upside and we fail to think about, well, what if you're wrong and it falls 10%? What if it's wrong? What if you're wrong and it falls 12%? Are you still going to feel comfortable about being in a position like that if you're an investor, right? And that's super important to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just on the mechanic side, uh, you mentioned how you're looking at the moving averages still in these downtrends. Um, which moving averages do you use? Uh, how many do you use? What, what, what's, what's your philosophy? Okay, so I use two, and mm-hmm. the two will change depending on uh, how swiftly things are moving. So, for instance, if we take if we take a thought about um, the commodities that have run like crazy, wheat and oil, Mm -hmm. those have been almost parabolic. And so Mm -hmm. when something's moving in a parabolic motion, I will use a five. And that five, five yeah, that five allows me to see, Okay, as long as I'm above that five, I can pull back into the five. And if I can manage that risk and my five is steep, I'm going to take that quick trade for either a few days or maybe a couple of weeks if it continues to run in that space. If it's a regular sort of chart like, um, I don't know, Microsoft. Microsoft Mm -hmm. has been performing well, but it's not been parabolic by any means. And you are looking at it. Wow, that really doesn't look very good what happened to stock. microsoft <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of some other stock um so what i love let's let's take a look at uh gdx we'll okay at, yeah gdx mm-hmm. and so that's an etf that's the miners and it's been moving very quickly for the last couple of days but you can see it's sort of making that big rounded bottom, you know, the, what is that term? The, the bigger, the base, the higher in space or or whatever it is. And we can see that base that's gone a really long time. And so in that kind of space, I'll be looking at, you know, what is my 30 doing? Am I above it? If I dip below it, where is that recent support? But the five and 30, I will use together if i look at a weekly chart i'm going to take a look at my five and say if i start moving under that five on my weekly i'm going to be much more careful about adding on the dips and if it spikes i'm going to take some profit because the key thing that you want to pay attention to is 
what if I go long and my stock stops moving higher? That is a big signal that there's demand up there that is being crushed at the very top by all the supply that is sitting right there in the space. So that demand is not going to push up any higher. And so those are the things that give me warning signals about if I have a turn and I'm long, the first thing I'm going to look at is, wait, did I just stop closing higher? And mm -hmm. if I did, where's the nearest support that looks like congestion? I think about these lines more in terms of regions rather than exact lines in the sand because there's so many of us trading so many different strategies. It's never one point in time, of mm -hmm. course. And yeah. Anne-Marie, how do you how do you take into account the overall analysis for like the NASDAQ, where uh -huh. the NASDAQ is clearly below these key moving averages, and then you're looking at the uh, GDX or uh, an oil chart and where they're performing well, do you, do you use any kind of risk assessment on that saying, okay, the overall market is kind of struggling, but these areas are doing well. And so I'm going to invest this much in there. Does that come into account? That is exactly it. So my thought is always take a look at your broad sectors that you're mm -hmm. sitting in and you see how they're doing right now. All they're doing is portfolio reallocation. All the big money managers are saying, might have been a little bit wrong about that. And so there's a little bit of jockeying, particularly as it comes into the Fed meetings and the end of the quarter, they're going to be jockeying a little bit. And so the great thing is just take a look at the sectors and see who has been doing well over the last three months. And once you get in there, dig inside and go, who are the top 10? And then just take the cream off the top and say, mm -hmm. these are the best performers. I'm going to go with these guys and I'm going to look for the spaces that give me opportunities to get involved with a minimal risk threshold. A lot of us think, wow, you know what? I'm going to allocate, let's say you think to yourself, all right, I'm going to put $3,000 in this space. And then they just throw all 3000 in there. Well, you don't know if that's the right time for me. I like to look at something and go, okay, I'm going to go half size here. Mm -hmm. And if it pulls back into a space where I go, okay, that's my do or die. I'm going to buy some more because if I'm wrong, and I have less risk because it's much, much closer to my stop, and it does stop in, then I only have half the size that I've lost on for the whole risk. And the other part, I've just lost a little. But mm -hmm. if I'm right and it holds that support, I've now got a cost averaging event that's going to allow me to get to break even just a bit faster. Now that flies in the face of don't, don't cost average in your losers. Yeah. And so the the flip side of that is if you've got a chart that's sitting under all of your moving averages and those moving averages are going straight down and you decide you're going to buy you don't want to cost average in there if it mm -hmm. comes all the way back down there mm -hmm. you just don't it's not the right environment the right environment to cost average in 
is when you're looking at moving averages that are cresting higher, when you're looking at price points that are sitting on top of those upward moving averages. Then you can say, oh, if I pull back, the psychology is going to be, I've got a deal. I'm going to buy this on sale. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be enough demand to help you with that space. So it's about looking at the broad environment before you get down to the particular of technicals. It's just not going to work out if you don't think about that big picture first. And then you go, oh, cost averaging will work in this environment, but it won't work in this environment, right? And a lot of traders will cost average because they want to catch the bottom. And yeah. frankly, like our like our GDX on the daily chart had this uh, base that it was building, you can see after a while it stops heading lower. Mm-hmm. That's when you go, okay, I can see that it stopped heading lower. I know there's a floor there. Where mm-hmm. traders have said, if it comes in there, I'm taking the bid. There's no room for anything below it because I'm scooping everything up. And that's the person or the group that's saying, you know what, I'm building a big position in, in my portfolio in this. If it comes back there, I want you to buy it. I yep. want you to buy it. you got your limit order sitting out there. But that's only after it stops heading right. down. Let the market tell you that it's not going any lower before you decide you're going to buy. And also that takes a lot of patience and we're a microwave society, right? Listen, if I click on my screen and it's not loaded in a second and a half, I'm like, what is wrong with this machine? And so that's really hard, especially if you're looking at the charts all day. So Uh it takes a lot of self-control. Yeah. So now, uh, to, to your point here, um, you, you, you mentioned it with GDX, kind of that point in which, hey, this has stopped going down. Uh, we're kind of still looking for that with the broader market. So exactly. what is what is your evidence? You know, what what tells you, hey, I think I think we've hit a bottom. I think we've stopped going down and I think we're ready to turn. Is it just a simple matter of are you getting back above those moving averages? Are those moving averages turning up or is there a little bit more nuance there? Okay, so I have a very straightforward approach. The first thing is I look at a chart and I'll go, it stopped heading lower. So I'm going to see an area where I can clearly see it's it's got a floor at the lowest low. Nothing's. The second thing it has to do is crest above near-term resistance. And so you can see that with the darkest moving average it runs all the way into it it's the one that's almost flat there um, yeah right there it bounces right up into it and then it pulls back and it bounces again and then it pulls back but it pulls all the way back down yeah and so here's what happens to us the first thing it's got to do is stop going lower the second Mm -hmm. thing it's got to do is break the near-term resistance and that's by price Mm -hmm. and then it's got to pull back and hold the lows so let's say after that second higher mountain 
it starts holding the red average that you've got right there. And you go, I'm going long. You have to look at the lowest low and say, can I handle that risk? Yep. Mm -hmm. And if that risk is something you can manage, then you can go, okay, I'm going to go half size. When it gets down there into that area and I close the day above it, I'm going to add. And then I'll be full sized and moved into my space. What we have a tendency to do is chase it into the first bounce and forget that there's the psychology of, holy cow, I've been trapped in this position for six months. I cannot wait to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Those people are going to come in. And then the folks that are saying, hey, gold is not a store of value. It doesn't make any sense anymore in MMT. This is ridiculous. Nobody's going to do it. They're ready to short, right? And so the second peak that comes up looks like it's about maybe, is that October? What is that month? I can't quite. January or this one? Or... Uh, oh, you're talking about here. Yeah, that's, that's November. about November. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. So when they're looking at that, they're thinking, oh, this is it. But then your brain always has to go, wait a second. Where did they confirm a low? That's always going to be the risk event. Right. And a lot of times we think to ourselves, there's no way it's going back there. Right. I'm going to be, the market's going to leave me. But here is the great big signal that it's going to come back to you. What is the overall slope of the majority of these moving averages if we look at them? They're flat to down. Right. Right. And if they're flat to down, it's telling you that the majority of traders are either short or upside down in their position. Yeah. And so when you look at that, you go, all right, if somebody's short or they're upside down in the position and it bounces, who's it going to bring in? Well, it's going to bring in people like me that love to short on those really big bounces when I've been under all of those moving averages. And so thinking about your competition from that perspective is always gonna give you an idea about what's going to happen. So to play devil's advocate, we can move all the way to the right side of the chart near mm -hmm. the present time where it makes its great big breakout. Mm -hmm. And you can look at that and go, well, you know, a ton of those moving averages are still down to flat. But what just happened? And this is something else. We have to think about not only what's happening, but what did the traders just do if they're looking at it from a long-term perspective? Well, they just pushed into a prior region of resistance, and then they pulled back and they held the floor. So if they pulled back and held the floor, chances are if they break through that top and they hold it, they're going to rock it to the north because it's also not only are people going to be buying, it's going to be a short covering rally. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody's saying, oh, man, that's, that was a great short. I wish I had taken that. Next time <laughs> I won't forget. And they take it. And they don't realize that the floor that was set early on in the year, August, September, October, wherever those little areas are for that floor area, 
coming back and holding it was a critical mass event for everybody that's trading gold on a long-term chart. Now, sometimes that makes us wanna slip into a brain bleed really, because it's not as simple as when it crosses that average, then we yeah. do whatever. Right. But we have to remember that trading in the market, it's just a lot of people getting together and exchanging ideas and the ideas are candlesticks. The ideas are, okay, I'm gonna fight this battle and somebody's gonna win and somebody's gonna lose and that win or loss will affect the participants in the front end of the curve because of what happened on the back end of the curve, right? And so yeah. that, to me, if you can turn it into a storyboard like that, you'll get so much texture and nuance that it will build for you something that says, oh, well, I know if they breach this area, they've gotta be going here. Or if they hold this area, we know they're going to try and hit that last high. And if they hold it, the shorts are going to get caught in the squeeze and the longs are going to buy the breakout into the next highest level, which is where it fell back from. Right. Notice the high that it came back from right now, really in the last couple in the last day or so. It just hit mm -hmm. that old high and it's coming right back into the heavy congestion zone. Yeah. So I really like how you just paint the picture. You paint that story again of, of what's going on in the mindset. And, you know, again, as you said, kind of getting in the mindset of your competition. So uh, when we get back, we're going to focus a little bit on what you need to do in terms of getting in your own mindset. So make sure you stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Wondering how to navigate market volatility in this unprecedented time? Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how machine learning technology can forecast stock market trends up to three days in advance with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. Vantage Point's artificial intelligence analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. Don't trade harder, trade smarter. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com and see a free live demo today. Limited time only. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, along with my weekly guest, Arusha Pires, and our special guest this week, Anne-Marie Band. Uh, before we get into a little bit of this fundamentals, I just want to kind of remind people that we have a couple YouTube channels that we've just launched recently. So I uh, want to make sure people are aware that Alexis Garcia, one of our reporters, is putting out a lot of great content on her YouTube channel. Uh, so make sure you check it out. Um, Anne-Marie, let's go ahead and get right into it uh, with a little bit of the questions that investors need to ask themselves before they start in the business or before they start a trade. Uh, you kind of talked about getting into the mind of the competition. What do you have to do to kind of get in your own head to determine a better outcome? That's a really great, great question. And a lot of times we really don't even ask ourselves that. We just see somebody else making money in the market and we go, oh my gosh, I've, I've got to do something. I've, I can't be left out. I've got to go do it. And personality, your personality is really going to affect the way that you trade. So the first thing that you have to think about really is how do I like to trade? Do I like to buy something and just hang on to it? Take a look at it at the end of every week, at the end of every two weeks? 
or do I like that active space? Am I looking in the market to find and feel that level of excitement and that dopamine fix that yeah, we right. get when things go well, right? And and there is a real serious event there in terms of chasing that move. It becomes a little bit of a gambling space for people because they don't think about the type of risk they would expose themselves to. And then they go, okay, I'm just going to do the next one and it'll be better next time and it'll be better next time. And they don't really develop an edge. And so the way to develop an edge is first look at yourself and go, do I like the swift trade or do I like the longer time frame trade? Once you decide on what you're going to do there, the movement is exactly the same. You're just looking at different time frames. So if you are saying to yourself, hey, listen, I like to hold trades for a little bit of time, weeks, months, you're going to look at a weekly chart and you're going to look at that chart and you're going to say, am I sitting above upwards sloping moving averages or am I sitting below Uh downward sloping averages or are things sideways and if things are sideways then you realize that what you're sitting in is a big fat channel and there are a lot of really great ways to trade big fat channels but it does take a little bit of patience so if you're trading on the swing then you say all right i'm looking at the weekly then you want to say all right do i have trend in my favor here's the thing if we get on a river and the river's completely still and we are thinking that we're going to sit in an inner, inner tube and have a great time going down some rapids, but it's a dead calm, even though you're in there, it's not going to do anything that you want. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to go with the rhythm of the broad market. And you can see that by moving averages or just a couple of them a five and a 30. If the five is down and the 30 is flat, you've got a mixed bag. It's telling you that charts are reverting to some sort of mean or some sort of heavy congestion area. And that's really what you would need to wait for if you're doing what the major investors do, and that is manage risk. Now, why do major investors manage risk is because most of the time we're paying them to manage our money. And one of my favorite things to say is if you were paying you to manage your portfolio the way you're managing it, would you give yourself a raise or would you call the cops? <laughs> so, so there's that. Forget, forget firing. Let's yeah, go straight to jail. Yeah. So, but again, there's that element of accountability that we don't say, listen, you've got to pump the brakes here. And I did not have that in the beginning of my career. You know, mm -hmm. my husband was the one that went, I don't think you know what you're doing. You probably <laughs> ought to stop until you figure it out. And so that really is something that you have to say, I'm going to set my boundaries and I'm going to move with the flow. And if the river is moving downstream, then you look for bounces to short. And if the river is moving upstream, then you look for pullbacks to get long. 
And so then from there, you can say, all right, I know where I'm going. I'm going from this area of resistance to this area of resistance. You have to have a roadmap or you don't, I mean, how do you know when you've, when you've gotten there? And a right. lot of times these new hoodlers, right, holding on for dear life because they've seen all this exponential, you know, 50x on what a chart does, we begin to have this lottery ticket idea that the market is this place you can go for something crazy. And it's not. It's a place to make a living and it's a place to make a fortune, but it's also a place that you can lose a fortune. And so understanding those boundaries about who you are and when a time frame is moving in a certain way for you to get involved. So most of us in the IBD space, we like the long side of things. The short side of things, we don't really, we're not, we're not really very focused on that space. And when a market slips into a downtrend, like it's sitting in right now, our brain has to say, okay, I have a portfolio here. There is some risk. Where can I hedge in terms of getting those things working for me? And a lot of us use things like vertical collars. And so the vertical collar is, let's say you own 100 shares of Apple. You would look at Apple and you would say, okay, if I had to relinquish my stock at 200, I'm going to do that. And in, in that space, if it falls to, say, 150, I'm going to get out. And so you can buy a put that says, I'm not going to lose any more than 150. You can sell the call that says, okay, I'll let it go at 200. And you've got yourself a vertical collar. It protects you. It gives you limited upside and limited downside and traps everything in that space. That's a nice way to do that. Another way that I love to do it in these kinds of messy markets, I love to look at the spy or the cues and on a great big bounce into a daily chart, heavy congestion, right? So that would be where the black moving average is. When it gets up into that area, up at the top there, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to buy a put and I'm gonna buy it out of the money. So it's gonna be cheap because I know the price action is likely to fade into a support zone. If it comes into my support zone and doesn't head lower, that's my insurance pocket for sitting in the market during the downturn space. And that is, that's an incredibly nice way to do it, especially if you use weekly options and you understand the mechanics of support and resistance. So here's another thing you have to ask yourself. When you see a chart moving crazy to the upside, are you thinking to yourself, wow, maybe I should take a little profit? Or are you thinking to yourself, I hope this goes to a thousand. Right. So to there's, the right, there's that part of us that's always wishing for the fairy dust. Mm 
Unfortunately, that fairy dust is a fair weather friend. Um, and sometimes it's not going to come. And then it's going to do things that make you psychologically unprepared. If you're thinking about things like that, let's say you're thinking, oh my goodness, I bought this at 10. It's up at 50. Man, everybody's talking about it going to 100. And you get up in the morning and it's at 32. Mm -hmm. When the prior day it had been at 50, your brain is thinking, oh yeah, it's going to bounce. It's going to recover. You're not thinking about, holy cow, I bought it at 10. It's already done 3x up here at 32. I better manage my risk and take some profit off of that edge. We have this thought of, well, what if it goes higher and I miss out? Right. A bird in the mm -hmm. hand is always better than two in the bush. I don't know who came up with that, <laughs> but it certainly is, right? If you see money on the ground, you need to go pick it up because you have no idea whether it's going to be there tomorrow, especially in these kinds of markets, especially. And if you get a run for two or three days, that looks incredible. And you're like, oh, my goodness, my position's finally green. You want to take some profit. You want to raise your stop. It's uh -huh. just wise because there's some places where you can throw that fishing pole in and you'll get the best fish. And other times there'll be nothing but, you know, weeds and old tires. And Absolutely. so yeah, right. <laughs> that we're in a place where the market's giving us weeds and old tires when we're getting in there right now. And, and it's really, you got to be very, very particular. Well, and I guess there's also that aspect of um, where are you at in your journey? You know, there's certainly some, ex some experienced investors at, can play in the treacherous waters, maybe a little bit better because they, they know where their risk levels are, you know, like what you were talking about with your, your cost averaging, well, when you have a stop that you know you're going to stick to and you have that discipline, that's one thing. But if you don't have the discipline and you're like, oh, well, it comes down, comes down to my stop and now I'm just going to wait because I doubled my position, uh, you know, then, then yeah, that's where you can get into trouble. So I exactly. guess is there an element of uh, knowing yourself enough to, hey, how far are you in this? Are you are you able to go down an inner, an inner tube in rapids or is a, a, a lightly flowing stream more your speed? Yeah, you know what, that's that's really a great thread to go down, but I'm going to be totally transparent and say that it's a daily journey. Because mm -hmm. if you've had 15 trades in a row and they all go green, you're going to go bigger in size because your cognitive bias is going to go, there's no way I'm going to lose. I mean, yeah. let's think about long-term capital management. Yeah, those right. guys said mm -hmm. hey nobody's smarter than us right i mean we've got, got some got nobel IQs prizes exactly <laughs> exactly we are not going to fail and they doubled down and doubled down and so what's the takeaway there every day you have to set up those boundaries for yourself and go do i feel overconfident today where is my risk today. And so there are guys like, um, you know, 
we we read about him. Some guy took uh, uh, the dollar bet. No, he took the pound bet. He's worked for George Soros. He was a billion dollars underwater in that trade and still held on. And so there's this idea that we have in our mind, hey, don't worry, it's going to turn around. And we always have to battle psyche with the boundaries of this will come back because we all know of a stock that we can look at and go, man, I remember when that thing was $3 and now it's 60. They're out there, but the mm-hmm. probability that we bump into them is on the very skinny edges of the tail. And so we have to keep ourselves in that right. middle space and say, I'm confident that I think that I know what's going to happen here probabilistically, but do I have my boundaries here? And am I risking appropriate amounts? And the problem is the better we get, the bigger we trade and the bigger we trade, the more likely it is that, you know, we slip into gambler's ruin, right? That is the, that's the philosophy of that, of that particular thing there. And so we always want to say, yeah, I know myself, but is there a space that I'm being too confident and then always pulling back those edges. And it runs contrary to how we live in outside life because we want to be the most confident we can possibly psych ourselves out to be if we're on the basketball court or we're on a football field or, or doing anything that involves fierce competition. Right. And it's, it's a very delicate balance of the psyche that we always have to be aware of. Yeah. And how long do you think that people should trade before they kind of determine whether they're better at shorter term trading, longer term trading? Well, you know, wow, that's a good one. I think the answer would be, are you anxious Okay. and feeling like you should be doing something? If yeah. you're anxious and feeling like you should be doing something, trade a shorter cycle. If you're like, my life is busy, I'm good enough doing X, Y, or Z. I'm okay if I look at this weekly. I realize where my support levels are. I know my trend is looking like this. I've got my stops in place. I don't have to micromanage my position. Yeah, right. If you're a micromanager of positions, it's better to go to smaller time frames. But I will tell you this. Here's another fallacy. Traders believe that the smaller the time frame, the less risk exposure they have. But I'm going to do it. Here's a real simple analogy. You're in a forest full of bears. Mm -hmm. Only all you can see are the leaves on a single tree. Oh. (laughs) Exactly. And so the very tight time frames don't let us see that big picture and big money moves in a big picture. Yeah. They don't they don't move in small pictures because it's too expensive to trade continuously like that. And even if they're using high frequency events, they're still trading in between the ranges set by big money. And yeah, so yeah. I would always say, listen, step back. I know you want to go down to that one minute, but I promise you, 
you can see just as well if you're looking at that hourly time frame. Mm -hmm. People just have to go, but I don't think so. But if you look at it over and over again and realize that every line in the sand, that's a real line, there's a battle. Somebody Mm -hmm. comes in and they're going to go, I'm going to short that. Somebody comes in and goes, I'm going to take that long. And and one group wins. You wait for that group that's going to win to win. And then you get in. And how do you know? It's like the first bar I said, I fail to hold lower. I bounce past my first measure of resistance. I pull back and I hold my low. And that works on any cycle, whether you're in a weekly, a daily, a four hour, 30 minute, five minute, you're just going to be making decisions a lot faster on that five minute formation. Mm -hmm. Well, when we get back, we're going to go into a little bit more of some of the stocks and maybe you can uh, set up some trades for us and kind of walk us through your mentality and how how you do what you do so stay tuned we'll be right back kicking yourself for that early exit don't miss out on any more opportunities in 2022 vantage points artificial intelligence has helped traders of all experience levels with its predictive analysis forecasting visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how their ai automatically recognizes global market patterns well ahead of the news to help you find the best opportunities. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com to join a free live training today. Don't hesitate. Save your seat now. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen here along with Arusha Pierce from O'Neill Global Advisors and our special guest, Anne-Marie Band. She is the CEO of thetradingbook.com. And you can also uh, follow her on Twitter at Anne-Marie Trades, uh, A-N-N-E-M-A-R-I-E. T-R-A-D-E-S. Um, so hopefully all of that spelling, you can jot that down at Anne-Marie Trades. So uh, Anne-Marie, let's go ahead and get into maybe some trades of Anne-Marie right now. Um, what's what's kind of on your radar? Uh, again, it's, it's not been your typical growth market that, you know, that that ship has kind of sailed. Those those aren't working right now. So what are you looking at in this market right now? You know, I've been really a big fan for the last year and a half on metals and Mm. commodities. And Mm -hmm. so what we were talking about is taking a look at the metal space using the XME. And when we take a look at the XME, one of my favorite things to do is we find an ETF that's holding its own. And we want to see who's inside of that ETF that's performing well. That's a great way to find a winner. And Mm -hmm. so Inside of that, we've opted to look at FCX, which is uh, Freeport McMoran. Freeport McMoran, uh-huh. Yeah. And so it is a a really very, very solid company. And you can see that it's had a monster move. It's and, And then it's sort of hung out. And so there's a little thing that we say in the trading space is if a chart breaks its trend, by time and not price, meaning mm-hmm. if it goes through a period of time and holds a floor and also holds a ceiling, it has a tendency to break in the direction of the original trend. 
And so this is a great one that we're looking at that's just sort of breaking out of its trend. Uh, Market Smith has got a really nice line there that shows us where that support action is. And so as traders, we can look at how to get involved with FCX in a variety of, re uh, of ways. And so the first thing we could do is uh, buy the stock. And so we can see that it's broken out of this area where it's had resistance. My favorite thing to go, all right, I see it breaking out, but where's my real risk? I look at this sideways area and I say, where is the floor? And I'm very, very mechanical about how I look at stocks. It's always the same thing. I say, where is the floor in that sideways formation? I watch it bounce into the first area of resistance, and then I watch it pull back and hold the higher low. And once I see it hold the higher low, I know that if it comes into that higher low, I'm going to be able to buy it. And the low of the primary area is going to be that ultimate risk zone. And so you can see it's it's pretty far above that right now in terms of straight dollar amounts. And so if we were looking at buying this breakout, I would say, you know, I'm not ready to do that. The broad market is not super enthusiastic about a lot of things. And in a bear market, even though this stock clearly is not sitting in a bearish formation, in a bear market, we do tend to see these dips that come in just a little bit harder. So what I would do is I would set an alert and I would say, um, tell me when it's the bottom of that, the blue space that Market Smith's done a really nice job of, of holding there. What is that number? Around 41.50. Yeah. yeah. And so I would set uh, an alert that let me see, okay, what's happening when it comes into that area. And mm -hmm. if it looks good, holds the zone and the next day it bounces out, I'm going to take that trade, knowing that my new floor is gonna be that prior higher congestion area that's gonna be able to hold that. And so that looks really still like about a $5 motion, right? So it right. looks mm -hmm. like it's about yeah. five bucks there. So that would be the risk event there. And then you would have to say, all right, where's it going to, right? And this is very tough for folks. We would say, hey, I'm just going to see where it goes. And nothing's wrong with that, except at some point you have to go, is this a legitimate rise for this stock before it takes a breather? And my favorite thing to do is have a tight moving average up there. I'll keep my, maybe it's a five, maybe it's a six. It's really about how big the motion is in the mm -hmm. individual candles. And I'll say, all right, just so long as I pull back, pull down there and then bounce back above it, I'm in good shape. As long as I continue to make new highs and also I hold my relative lows. I might test them, but I will bounce the next day or the next week, something like that. And Anne-Marie, do you, do you switch sometimes? Maybe you're using the 20-day, the then you, as it keeps working, now you're switching the 10 to the 5. If I'm as... looking to take profit off, absolutely, absolutely. If you change, 
um, moving from the 20 to the 10 to the 5, our brain kind of gets mixed up. If we get up one morning and it's below the 10 and we go, oh, no, did I, should I? Right. What? Right. Right. And so you keep the one and you go, it's okay if it drops below it, just so long as it's holding the relative support. So what does relative support mean? It's the last place I saw old resistance bounce up and bounce up and bounce up and bounce up and okay. bounce up. Okay. And now it's holding as a floor of support. And that's where that blue shaded region uh, right. market smith is doing a lovely job of, of really telling us that's where our edge ought to be the second thing that we can do that doesn't really give us a projection of where the stock might go but allows us to get involved is my favorite way to get involved in an uptrend when a stock is still in a region where it's still holding its lows and you can see it making highs and that is selling a put. To sell a put creates an obligation to buy. Mm -hmm. So if you sell a put, you have an obligation to buy if it's in the money. So let's say I sold the 45 put and all of a sudden it expires. Let's say it expires at the end of this uh, March area that we're looking at and it expires, the price comes in at 44, that I have an obligation to buy at this 45 area. So I'm really paying a dollar more to buy it because the price has moved to 44. But if I sold that for $4, I'm still getting it on the cheap. I'm getting it $3 cheaper than I would have gotten it before or just going out and buying it at that 45 level. And so selling a put is for the person who says, one, this is an uptrend. I know it's an uptrend. I'm holding my support zones. I can see it breaking out. Those are the only places that you want to sell a put. And you say to yourself, I'm going to be okay if I acquire the stock at this price, irrespective of what the market is saying right? You are going to say, hey, listen, I'm going to take possession of this stock if it comes into the area. And you're going to collect a premium for saying, listen, I'll buy that. When it comes in, I'll buy it. Wherever it is, I'll buy it just so long as it comes in. If it doesn't come in, you collect the premium and then you make the money for just being part of the transaction process. If I really want to acquire something, I'll say, you know, give me that old support zone. Looks like about 41, 40. I'll sell the put at 40. I'll sell it out 60, maybe 75 days. It'll be able to give me good premium because the market is a little bit more volatile right now. If I don't get put to the stock, I still make money. If I get put to the stock, I actually have it for the longer term hold. Now, would you be holding on to that for that entire time? You know, uh, let's say, again, 60 days is a long time. That's would the you... next thing. The question okay. is, do you actually want to acquire the stock? Mm -hmm. Or do you just want to make money selling the put at a higher price and then buying it back after theta erosion? Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of the market. If you've got your boundaries and you go, you know what? 
I have no desire to own FCX, but I think there's good money to be made here in the short put because the stock is doing very well and I probably am never going to get put to it. And so I like to say, listen, if you've got 30 to 50% gains on your option, mm-hmm. close it. Yeah. That's $100 bills in the corner that you just mm-hmm. go pick them up and you mm-hmm. go, I'll come. A lot of us get super greedy. We're like, I really don't even want to cover that. I'm going to wait until it's a nickel. You, you <laughs> right. don't know yeah. what the market is going to do. Yeah. So don't push the envelope and realize Here's a wonderful thing. 70% of all options expire worthless. Mm -hmm. So selling an option puts you on the right side of probability just so long as you're sitting in the right environment, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's really the big thing to look at. Is it trending up? Am I moving nicely? You easily could look at that and go, you know what? I'm going to sell the 50 calls at for, you know, a month out. And if the market goes sideways again, you're still going to make that money because that's an obvious area where the chart is going to go, you know, I'm going to choke here just a little bit. It's a big round number and you can use theta erosion for that little, little tip right here. I love using the weekly options and having a really beefed up volatility number in there. Mm -hmm. And at about Wednesday afternoon for the contracts that expire Friday, mm-hmm. I'm going to see where the chart is very likely to go probabilistically, right? Here, here's the thing. The longer out you buy or sell an option, the less reliable your estimation of price is going to be. Right. Because here's the thing. All the guys that go look, the greatest investors of all time, here are picks for 2022. The back testing on that, 12% accuracy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. Why though? Because there are too many known unknowns and too many unknown unknowns to throw into the mix. So the closer you are to the expiration date, the more reliable your estimation of price is going to be logistically and probabilistically. And so that's why I love the weekly options. I'll sell the ones on Wednesday that expire on Friday. If they come into that area, you know, and it looks like I'm going to be a little nervous about how it looks on a Friday, then I'm going to roll it into the next week. But most of the time I'll say, I'll, I'll have so much theta erosion because I know what support and resistant edges look like from a weekly perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to look at a five-minute chart and go, oh, well, resistance is here. Remember, mm-hmm. you always get the big picture of what the big traders are doing by zooming out so that you can see what kinds of perils are sitting in that forest 
and you're not just staring at the leaves. And so you can tell those edges and they make great, great trades for selling the spread, for selling the iron condors, for selling the butterflies, all kinds of different things that you can do from that space. And it is a, a little bit more technically advanced, but what's working in your favor is always that theta that's quickly eroding and that volatility that's just jammed right in there. If you play with weekly options, you should be selling them most of the time, not right. buying them. Right. Well, a lot of good things to think of. And just one final note uh, on the on the credit spreads is uh, that is something you can also do in your IRAs, uh, unlike absolutely. You know, so, yes, uh, that, that's kind of nice. But uh, Anne Marie, I really appreciate you coming on the show. My a lot pleasure. of things for folks to digest. Uh, you know, when you're on IBD Live, sometimes we you know tell people, hey, you might have to rewatch this one. Right. Because, uh, <laughs> you give a lot of great information, and it might be something that people are not as familiar with. But um, trust me, you know. It, do, doing the rewatch and, and making sure you've got those um, those fundamentals down, uh, it, it can be very rewarding. So thanks again for being on the show, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me, gentlemen. It was so much fun. Okay. We'll see you soon, I'm sure, on IBD Live. Um, and also on the podcast next week, keep on the your radar. We're going to have Will Rind, from, the CEO of Granite Shares, will be joining us. So it'll be great to get his take on what's happening in the market. So hope you join us for that. Thanks for watching. Have a good trading day. Bye. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.